Good afternoon. My name is Okara and I am here to bring you episode two of Just Happy to Be Here, where we will explore music, literature, and all things mystical and mundane. So let's get into it. So, to get started, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about myself and why it's music lit and all things mystical and mundane. Um, so, I am a vocalist, um, a writer, um, just an overall curious sort of gal. Um, I started singing ages ago, like literally remember being a child in my room and whatnot, and then first talent show in sixth grade. So there's that, um, band, did that, trombone, hey now, um, and then show choir, and then opera ensemble in college. So it kind of just developed from there, and then all kinds of influences in between courtesy of my papa um, just exposing me to all kinds of music as I was growing up. Um, literature because oh my god I love words. <laughs> Language, words, um, just the ultimate ways of expressing yourself um, explicitly, subtly, um, complex and simple, heavy, light, humor, tragedy, comedy, all that. All that human condition put into little symbols um, and expressed to one another. I just love that. I love that. <laughs> um, so literature, prose, poetry, everything, all that. Good articles. We can get into all of that good stuff. Um, so yeah, um, and then <laughs> mystical and mundane because, well, <laughs> all my life I have been either in one phase, just an enigma to people, very shy, wallflower, just observing, literally just happy to be here, kicking it, watching y'all go wild <laughs> when I was younger. And then eventually another phase of people just generally seeing me as some kind of like fairy person <laughs> like way more carefree than I can really take credit for because I'm not that carefree at all um but I guess I just come off that way so mystical and mundane because my interests my thoughts my thought processes all that good stuff um has kind of put me in a realm of kind of like a unicorn person, a fairy to a lot of the people that know me, encounter me, love me. <laughs> um, so yes, I'm claiming it now, sure. <laughs> so mystical and mundane because there's a lot of little weird things that I'm interested in and that I think maybe you'll be interested in too um, that we can like dig into a little bit together. Um, so that is the rundown on kind of what we'll be gearing for and what this might feel like. Um, and then next we will kind of dip our toes into some of the segments that I want to bring to you.
Oh, hello. Here we are in our first segment together. I'm so jazzed. Um, this is where I will share with you events and uh, projects, uh, local products, stuff like that. Um, for this week, I'm super jazzed about featuring with Iconoclast Indie, um, uh, hosted by Devin Ginn, um, D-E-V-O-N-G-I-N-N, um, usually hosted at the um, Irvington Theater um, on open mic. Um, they do not censor their artists, <laughs> but it is technically all ages. Um, and always free except for the second Thursday. Um, they usually have features that they would like to bless for their time and efforts. Um, so this Thursday, um, February 14th, um, Circle City Industrial Complex, 7.30 p.m. Um, you can come get loved on by me, Okar Imani, um, in a set that I'm calling Sentimentality. Um, so that's um, an event that I'm super jazzed about. Um, a project that I'm super jazzed about is um, being put together currently um, by Oddity a.k.a. Jeffrey McClure. Um, the project is called Love Is. Um, and we are leaving it up to you, hashtag love is, um, to start expressing what love is to you, how you define it, um, going from here on out, anytime I'm posting myself in the studio with Avadi, or if we're at Stone Tree Studios, um, then I'll be hashtagging love is you should get into that hashtag. There will be goodies and opportunities for you to be a part of this project in some ways, I believe. So you want to get into that hashtag love is it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be dope. Y'all are going to love it. <laughs> um, so yes, that's a project I'm jazzed about. Um, and Product plug. For my first product plug, I absolutely have to plug um, my beloved, one of my favorite cousins. We all have favorite cousins. <laughs> Deandra Glass. Um, she is the creator, founder, um, all of that, all those important words of Black Amethyst Naturals. Um, she makes with love and care um, and knowledge. Great knowledge. Um, natural products, things like beard butters, um, yoni steams, um, body butters, wonderful, wonderful things that feel nice and do wonderful things for you um, and that are good for you. So if you'd like to check out Black Amethyst Naturals, you can find them on her website, blackamethystnaturals.com. Um, and also follow the Instagram, of course, the Facebook. Um, there will be some really wonderful things um, that Deandra and I are moving through um, that you might hear about just from following Black Amethyst Naturals. So just to get that plug in, um, go check it out. Get some feel-good products, okay? Alrighty, that is all for what I'm jazzed about this week. 
and we will move right along. Mmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. This segment is mental mukbang. I don't know if you have seen, you definitely have. It's 2019 and almost the entire world that is connected through the internet knows of a mukbang. The videos where you enjoy the atmosphere, the experience of someone eating on screen. Um, there's an ASMR element to it, the sounds and hearing the textures, I suppose. And then there's the element of, I believe where it originated in Korean culture being like, okay, like a healthy appetite is attractive. So I'll post these videos. I'm cute. I'll post these videos of me eating and people will dig that. People do dig it. (laughs) People dig it. (laughs) So for mental mukbang, um, There's a few different things we will touch on in Mental Mukbang. Any given week, there might be a different combination of these topics, but one item is autocorrect poems. I'm super fascinated with those Facebook challenges that like have (laughs) you start with a particular word or phrase and then you just like hit the middle button until you get a whole concept that makes sense. (laughs) I wrote a poem two years ago using that method because I was doing one of the challenges in the comments and I was like, oh, that's a thing. This is a whole thing. This is a poem to me and no one can tell me otherwise. So we'll be doing autocorrect poems. Um, We'll also be doing um, excerpt readings from novels, books, journals, articles, and then doing a little bit of discussion. Um, If I have a guest, we'll do a little bit of repartee, tete-a-tete. If it's just me, I'm no stranger to talking to myself, so I will discuss uh, solo um, any of the excerpts and things like that that we get into. Um, And part of that is me doing a little bit of a mental mukbang just because I've been told oftentimes that my voice is nice to listen to as far as passive listening, casual background sounds, soothing, that sort of thing. I get asked to sing lullabies often, so I'm gonna just kind of dig into that a little bit and really luxuriate when I read these excerpts um, to give you a full experience. May or may not toss in a British accent every now and again, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so for today, I have that original autocorrect poem. Um, I'm calling it Roses Are Red. That is the phrase that I began with. And I will dig into that for you right now. Roses Are Red is the theme. The first time in time for the more reasonable price of my life this is not an uber to that house that's already that's already party for the first time since i've stopped having so stopped having so stopped by to get sleep in a few minutes late seeing the origins the origins the origins the next to a branch out and start something 
and that was written <laughs> September 26, 2017 at 2.05 a.m. At 2.05 a.m. You'll find that when I'm reading my own poems, I have a weird compulsion to put the time that it's done <laughs> as well as the date and sometimes a little blurb about where I was mentally and spiritually and emotionally. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Roses Are Red is... Um, September 26th, 2.05 a.m., two years ago. (laughs) So um, that poem struck me as an actual concept. It kind of took me on on a journey. And the repetition that I found in this particular poem was really compelling to me. Um, Doing and using autocorrect to build a phrase or a sentence, you never really know how many times it's going to repeat something. And I found it really compelling what was repeated. Stopped having so, stopped having so, stopped by like that moment where you seem to be spiraling and then all of a sudden you stop by to get sleep. (laughs) And um, the origins, Um, stop by to get sleep. In a few minutes, late seeing the origins, the origins, the origins. I loved that moment because it kind of felt like you stopped by to rest finally. Um, and you might be late seeing the origins. You might be late to the concept of, for me, what this was, was you might be late to the concept of motherland and tracing back roots and bloodlines and that sort of thing so for me it was like late seeing the origins and then and then consumed by it the origins the origins the origins that's where I am kind of I've been in these phases of just really wanting to reach back into some part of my culture if I could just figure out which direction to go um but as you move on from the origins, the origins, the next to a branch out and start something. So you transition into just reach out and try, start a conversation, learn a new word, whether it be Swahili or, or whatever it might be. Um, just reach out and try make some connection, get started. Um, it's okay that it's late. It's okay that we don't know exactly where we come from, black people. Um, but it's also all right just to reach out and try. That connection is very important and it's something that a lot of cultures take um, maybe for granted in the United States, but a lot of cultures here in this uh, mixing pot, quote unquote, um, they know their origins. They can tie back directly from one person to the next. Boom, boom, boom. We don't have that luxury, black people, and sometimes just brown people in general. We don't have that luxury, but we always have the opportunity to just reach out and try to make that first initial connection. Um, so roses are red. Um, my first autocorrect poem, that's what that kind of means to me. Um, and yeah, like I got really deep about it just for an autocorrect poem, but like, that's where it took me when I first did it. Um, and that's why I thought I really want to bring this to the podcast. So there you have it. Um, I also have a little excerpt today. Oh, excuse me. That was my couch, not me. (laughs) 
Um, I'm reading very slowly and incrementally um, Philosophy of Love, A Partial Summing Up, um, written by Irving Singer. Um, I got this book on a trip to Chicago with some beloved spirit warriors and sisters of mine. Um, <laughs> Kara and Jahari, I love you babes. Um, so we were kind of picking books at random. We were reading out loud together. We are all very, <laughs> we're all very indie when we get together. Um, but the little excerpts that I would like to read, um, is in the, section called is romantic love a recent idea um <clears throat> so he's kind of discussing courtly love versus uh romantic love courtly love being like the routine the protocol um all things in due time um sort of and then uh kind of like a optimistic an optimistic view um, and romantic love being something um, around he's saying 1850 um, romantic love kind of being um, both benign and pessimistic um, there's a couple different ankles and he uses an example of Shakespeare's writing to kind of illustrate this and I, I really identify with what is being said so Though romantics in the 19th century often treated him like one of themselves, he is not a full-fledged adherent to romanticism. Without, this is Shakespeare, <laughs> without being a romantic philosopher or theorist, he is nevertheless a precursor of those who were. As an illustration, take the play Much Ado About Nothing, which is Kenneth Branagh made into a popular movie. It is structured in terms of two kinds of love. One is the relationship between Claudio and Harrow, the young man and woman who have a courtly relationship based on very little understanding of themselves or of each other and not including much more than their awareness that they both have fallen in love. Pause for correction. So the courtly love isn't so much the protocol or anything like that it's more so the courtly love that chase that feeling of oh there's someone new i would like to pursue them that initial sort of cat and mouse is what he's saying courtly love is so to continue though they strongly feel they love each other shakespeare demolishes the authenticity of their attachment he shows how claudio falsely accuses harrow of infidelity while he himself isn't faithful since instead of handling whatever problems he may have with his woman he immediately condemns and humiliates her their bond therefore become comes out as emotionally suspect their other the other relation is the bellicose but ultimately loving tie between benedict and beatrice they have a natural attunement that shows itself in ways that are typically romantic romanticism frequently presupposes a basic hostility between male and female it takes this to be deeply innate tendency resulting from the fact that being differently programmed the sexes do not see the world in the same manner as a consequence each is natively suspicious of the other of the opposite gender in a state and in a state of constant warfare with it pause for me myself and for my other queer folks i'm gonna go ahead and bust this wide open to uh, more dynamics than just male and female, but I very much 
identify with this idea that that push and pull, that initial like, ooh, you're very different from me. Um, Part of me is rebelling against that despite the fact that we're attracted. I think that happens a lot. Um, I've seen it a lot when I date women as well. So to continue. There's a support for that view in work that recent biologists have done, for instance, with herring gulls. In the mating season, when the female arrives on the isolated island by herself, she maps out her terrain and waits for the male to come. But as soon as one of them enters her property, she attacks him. Only after a period of what scientists call equilibration do they work out some mutual understanding, and she realizes that he is what she has been wanting for reproductive purposes. She then lets him onto her terrain and they become a romantic couple. Well, the same kind of thing happens to human beings with the romantic frame of thought. And it's what happens to Beatrice and Benedict. They are born enemies, ridiculing each other at first. But then, because of a quirk in the plot that Shakespeare artificially but deftly arranges, they overcome their initial belligerence. Having done that, the two who are now one are able to help their friends, the courtly lovers who can't make things work out by themselves. And in helping them, their own bond becomes stronger. Beatrice and Benedict act together in a compassionate and fully satisfying alliance. Even though they joke about their mutual animosity, they experience a consummate love. Both pairs get married, but we surmise that Beatrice and Benedict are much more likely to succeed in marriage than the other couple. Only the embattled ones understand each other, and, having survived their initial animosity, they are capable of attaining wholesome unification. For them, the inherent disdain among people of different genders has been successfully overcome. And I'll stop there because I can go on and on and on, and I'm not going to read this whole book to you. But, um, so the ideas mentioned here, do you you identify with that? I personally know that I've seen that sort of concept played out in things like Korean dramas where the main characters will initially despise each other, have such frustration centered around one another, and eventually as they work through that and discover an actual attraction, that becomes a connection. And because they've so much disagreed with each other before, their understanding of each other is deep. And then, of course, you know, through 20 hour long episodes of this K-drama, at the end, they find each other more connected than ever and fully in love, fully functioning. Um, And that concept makes makes sense to me. Um, Feel free um, to comment um, when I'm posting this episode on Facebook or when I'm plugging it on IG. Um, Feel free to comment on something that you kind of dig or identify with in this way um which reminds me i probably will also be uploading these to soundcloud so you can comment um but yeah i personally identify with that i know that usually my favorite people are very different from me so when it is romantic um i find that that is such an invigorating um an invigorating ingredient to our our interactions and to our love our like our infatuation is that we are so different and that initially it kind of we clash on that but there's attraction under there so it kind of drives you forward to understanding the other person i think i don't know i just think it's really beautiful and it might also be where we get the concept that opposites attract um so yeah i think that's mad valid um so that was an excerpt from philosophy of love by irving singer 
thank you for um divulging into this mental mukbang with me i hope it was delectable so um i would like to go into now zodiac moments um this is something that's probably going to be super brief usually um but i really get a kick out of like astrology tropes um tropes being typical um concepts propagated in popular culture um about a particular type of person or thing or concept or sound word trope you usually see in like sitcoms you know there's like certain scenarios that always come up those are tropes and there's zodiac tropes (laughs) that i think are hilarious (laughs) um astrology works i think a lot um in contingency with intention the same way crystals and precious stones do so for me when it makes sense it makes sense it's just a bunch of patterns you can either use the patterns as a tool to predict and prepare for things or better react to things or you can just call it silly and ignore it uh but over here (laughs) we think it's either accurate or funny (laughs) so um the zodiac trope that i wanted to talk about today is um i saw a meme on instagram at um it's called I don't want to say it just in case I can't curse (laughs) and get sponsored later, Um, but I will put in the description, I will put um, the account that I found it from. Um, It's a picture of Ariana Grande and, um, oh lord, what's this boy's name? Pete Davidson. And... Uh, she's following behind him looking that sucker or like looking super like content and happy and he's like walking ahead of her it labels Ariana Grande in that situation a Libra and then it labels Pete Davidson as just anyone emotionally unavailable (laughs) as if to say that Libras get uh, kicks from pursuing emotionally unavailable people now (laughs) um wow this is hilarious to me it's hilarious because part of it is kind of a thing not so much emotionally unavailable because i don't dig that i i really like to know where your head is and that kind of thing however i do have a tendency for these sort of like grumpy cat-like people (laughs) who um come off initially like oh like i'm over here and you don't quite know what I'm thinking. And and so I'm like, ooh, what what are you thinking? <laughs> so I am kind of attracted to like that kind of cat-like elusive person, um, the mystery of it. Um, I recently realized that Sagittarius I knew nothing about. Um, and I was like, why I don't I don't even hear a lot of tropes about Sagittarius. So then once I started like talking with this Sagittarius person, of course, things popped up all over the place where I was looking, partly because our phones are too smart. But I started seeing this thing where Sagittarius are mysterious and you don't quite know what they're thinking and they really like adventure and don't want to be settled down. So I'm like, this is the ultimate cat person. <laughs> cat person meaning they are the cat. 
and um, when they are cuddling with you, you don't get to go to the bathroom because you have to hold on to that moment. Um, when they are sharing with you, you have to drop everything and listen because they're saying feelings and that does not happen a lot. <laughs> so not so much that Libras are into unemotion- emotionally unavailable people explicitly, but I do think we really enjoy the puzzle of people and like feeling like there's a person we really want to understand oh I'm gonna buckle down and figure them out then (laughs) because I think I like you and I'm gonna figure it out (laughs) so yeah let's absolutely do that (laughs) um and also I do know For myself, I recently saw a bit of a horoscope post that just kind of listed some vaguely important days for different zodiac signs. For me being a Libra, hashtag Libra gang. um, For me being a Libra, this month said the 9th, the 15th, and the 22nd of February were important days for Libras. I repeat, Libras. Our important days are the 9th, the 15th, and the 22nd. So far, the 9th was amazing for me. I had a gig. I was surprised by someone special showing up at the gig. Ha, loved that. Um, The 15th, I don't know yet. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, I know there's a couple shows that I had my eye on and I wanted to visit, and I always have a really good time when I go see live music. So I could see the 15th being an important day. 22nd, I have no idea. I have no clue. But... I'll keep my eyes open just because, and maybe it won't be till next month when I look back and see why these days were special. (laughs) But that was just for the fellow Libras who may be listening. Um, That was a Zodiac moment. I know, I know. Just think of this as that super long pilot episode, like, Maybe not a pilot episode, but you know, I've seen a lot of YouTubers just the first episode of a series of videos is like two hours and then it goes like down to half an hour. So I know you've been with me a while, but since you're here, you may as well also listen to this next segment called Musings. This is where um, I kind of just let you into my the vault of my brain, <laughs> my essence, so to speak. Um, little blurbs, voice memos, trust me, there are always voice memos on deck. I'm a writer, I'm a creative, I've got mad voice memos. Um, so this is where I'll kind of share some of those. Some of these may never see the light of day. Some of these may be eventually intros and interludes on my albums. But for now, um, I love to share them here with you because, um, it's a way to, keep me opened up as a person. Um, Anyone who is close to me knows that I'll let you listen to my voice memos. I'll let you read my scribblings. I don't really care. Um, I'm not a kind of person who like can't share things until they're finished. I know a lot of people like that. I typically, I'm an open book, so you can see it at all stages of the process. I'm cool with that (laughs) because it's all a part of it to me. So Today, I have a little voice memo. I'm not going to play the voice memo. I'm just going to sing it because that's what it is. It's called Netflix Dilemma. I'll sing it and then we'll discuss. 
Conflict, conflict, I don't really want it, I don't really want it, but I will. <laughs> so, as a discussion, um, Netflix Dilemma is a, a moment of me being really weird about conflict. And <laughs> when I'm watching something, a series or a movie, I actually am the kind of person to just pause it and exit when the climax of an episode is approaching. And like, you know, when you know what's going to happen, you know exactly what's going to go wrong. And you're like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Maybe not, but but I do. So <laughs> I feel very weird about like my recreational stuff stressing me out. So like, I don't want to get stressed out by Netflix. I don't want to be watching a thriller where I know exactly what's about to go wrong. I'm not about to watch that unfold. I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm either going to fast forward if I know, you know, how long it might take. Or I'm just going to click away and find another show to watch for the moment until I am prepared for, <laughs> for that. I'm really working on it. But right now, that's who I am. You know, that's who I am and I'm okay with it. So Netflix Dilemma is really about me being like, I don't really want to watch this part, mm, but I'll, I'll, I'll click play. I'll finish it out. I'll get to the, the resolution. <laughs> so that's what that is. Let me know if this is something that you can identify with because I have been made to feel like a weirdo for that. Um, and I'm like, why should I feel weird about not wanting to watch like human interactions come to the clash and like, oh, I know exactly what's going wrong. This is a big misunderstanding. If only the characters knew what was happening. No, I don't have time for that stress. <laughs> Let me know if you don't have the time either. <laughs> We made it. <laughs> um, so now in closing episode two, um, this will just be where I kind of maybe look forward to something in the next episode um, or I might have acknowledgements or want to share some gratitude um, today. Right now, before I move on, I want to acknowledge and show gratitude to Kara, um, Michelle, um, uh, Instagram at KPBAB. <laughs> um, I really appreciated you listening through all these segments for me and giving me feedback and really motivating me to finally record it um, and to stop second guessing myself because I'm ready for this. <laughs> I'm ready for this, and I, as ever, I really needed to hear that from um a loved one like you so thank you um i'll also open up in this closing portion of every episode to questions that have been posted on my social media or sent to my email um anything like that um onto my facebook musician page um I can do, um, I can answer the questions here. I can address them in the next episode. Um, any corrections that need to be made, 
um, from what I was speaking on previously, that can happen in the closing section. I'll also address any corrections that you all have in listening. Like if I plug something incorrectly, I can always address it in the next episode. And again, apologies for that in advance. But if you hear something that's like factually incorrect or logistically doesn't make sense, just let me know and I can address it in the closing portion. Um, I'll also take suggestions. I want to let you know, I forgot to mention earlier (laughs) uh, that for the autocorrect poems, if you have suggestions for an opening statement or word or phrase um, to get the autocorrect poems going, I really, really, really want to engage with you in that way. Um, That goes for all the segments. If you want to engage with any of these segments, be it I'm jazzed about, autocorrect poems, mental mukbang, zodiac moments, or just my musings, um, you can definitely, definitely engage and interact with me on any of my social media. Instagram, Okara Imani, um, at O-K-A-R-A-I-M-A-N-I. Facebook, at the same, Okara Imani, or my musician page, more importantly, um, Mia Koda dash Okara Imani, M-I-A-K-O-D-A. Um, that's what my music page is called right now. I'm going to have some discussions about um, cultural, cultural boundaries and things like that because that word is not something that's um, naturally in my immediate culture. So that is to be determined whether it will still be that. But for now, you can always search Okara Imani on anything and there will be some way to find me that way. Um, so this has been lovely and invigorating. Um, I want to impart one last time the driving force for any time I present anything to anyone. Um, Love is love and it's worth it. And I'll leave you with that. My name is Okara Imani and I'm just happy to be here.